filled with teaching, truths and issues that matter. Bernie Diamond's A Different Perspective, part of Night Vision each weeknight. Details at vision.org.au. Life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 on Vision. Not everyone who serves in global missions is the upfront preacher. In fact, what happens behind the scenes that mobilizes missionary endeavor is often where the biggest action is happening. Often it's the logistics and the transportation that opens access to some of the most difficult places on earth to take the gospel. What began as a dream of some World War II pilots has grown into a worldwide ministry that started with just one aircraft in just one country and has grown to 125 aircraft serving in over 25 nations around the world. And it seems Aussie Christians have warmly embraced the work of Mission Aviation Fellowship for the past 76 years. Ian McDougall is the CEO of MAF in Australia. Ian, a special welcome back to 2020. Thank you so much, Neil. And to all your listeners, welcome to to the stories. Hey, look, you guys have been functioning now 76 years, uh, but no doubt there'll be some listeners who are thinking, oh, I've never heard of this lot before. Uh, Let's talk about MAF and uh, the good work you do and the expansion that's been happening around the world. Uh, Where do you start with all this, Ian? Well, let's let's start from the beginning. As you said, we, we started off with one small aircraft, and now we've got over 125 aircraft over 25 countries serving single engines, Cessnas, um, G- uh, GA8s uh, working up in Arnhem Land in the Northern Territory. And the countries we're serving in is South Sudan, it's Kenya, it's Uganda, it's Papua New Guinea, it's Timor-Leste, it's in Arnhem Land in the Northern Territory. And it just, the list goes on. But each one of those aircraft is designed to bring hope to the remote so we can fly those pastors those those first responders the people that need to be where they need to be to do ministry we get them there safe and in a small aircraft our aircraft run from four seats to eight seats and uh, yeah our biggest one's got 10 seats in it so we're very luxurious in that one <laughs> I'll often uh, laugh when I well I'm, I'm, when, I'm, when I say I'm laughing it's because I'm not on board but uh, some of your pilots uh, they are just so skilled uh, to land on the most crazy runways on earth. Uh, some of these runways where they land in some of these nations, when you talk about Papua New Guinea and uh, some of these very uh, outlier nations where things are actually very dangerous, uh, your guys are really skilled to be able to land on those those uh, runways. Absolutely, and and they're... they're just brilliant people it's it's a marvel to get in a small aircraft to say a 10-seater in the Cessna and the pilot will start praying and you get an opportunity to sit in his aircraft and pray and then we take off and we land you know and in Papua New Guinea you can be 5,000 feet up on a mountainside a 450 meter runway with another 5,000 meter a 5,000 foot mountain right in front of you and you've got to land it stop unload and then take off again and the takeoff in some of those areas is that you've got a mountain in front of you so you take off 350 meters and up and out and over the top so uh, it, it is a difficult situation and then if you take that across to the other side in South Sudan where 
where we can be landing on just a sandy desert runway with some rocks, some goats, and landing on that sand where we've got to come in and bring hope to people, and that's the amazing stuff. And it just brings about transportation. It brings love. Our pilots are working there. For every pilot that we have, we have eight people on the ground keeping that aircraft safe so that the passengers and the products can get to where they're doing. And what I mean by passengers is that we have passengers from chickens to pigs, and then we have people. <laughs> you know, uh, there's a thought that some have that Christianity and uh, Christian mission is somehow for wimps, but the sorts of places you're accessing and the sorts of uh, challenges that come with landing on those airstrips and uh, being involved in danger uh, this is something that's part of everyday life in mission aviation fellowship and uh, it's not that there's been no uh, casualties uh, people have lost their lives over the years serving in mission because uh, what you do in fact uh, does have a danger element to it ian it does and and it is in, in some of the countries we work in, as you know, like Papua New Guinea with the mountains and the, the weather pattern changes and, and in Indonesia where we've been working and Joyce Lim just recently, a, a, a year and a half ago, lost her life in the middle of service to God. And, and, you know, those things unfortunately happen. But the other side of the coin is that we look at what God has got. All, good, all things come to good. And the work that like Joyce did in Indonesia has made a huge difference to some of those people. And they saw her dedication and her love and that the, the local pastors and the, and the local people there are celebrating what she brought into their townships and villages. Because not only do we work in those areas, but we live in those areas. So we live in remote communities. Our airstrips are, are in some of the most remote places of the world. We have to barge in our fuel. We have, to, we have to fly in our fuel in some cases where we actually empty the seats out, put barrels in and fly them to a location so we can continue to serve those people. But it, it's, to give you an example of, of what it means to people is in Papua New Guinea, I was flying with one of the local councillors and we were flying across the highlands of Papua New Guinea and he said to me, when you look down and you see a tin roof, we know that Jesus has come to that community. Wonderful. Uh, that's a powerful message. Uh, these isolated communities, uh, for some, they'll think that isolation isn't a problem at all until you start to think of basic medical care and clean water and education and uh, yep. development of those areas. Uh, isolation is a problem, but when you've got aircraft flying in, uh, the opportunity for Christian Mission to get involved in all of those different elements that need care, uh, it, things change in whole villages and communities. Absolutely. If I could use Timor-Leste as an example, or some people might know it as East Timor to give clarity to where we're talking about. When the Australian government pulled out in 2016-17, after the big elections happened, there was one aircraft left in, in, in Timor-Leste, and that was ours. It was eight seats with one pilot and a couple of engineers. And that was servicing 1.1 million people now, to put that in perspective, one aircraft was serving, servicing that, but there's one doctor for every 10,000 people in that area. So when we go in, we bring people out to one of the clinics or one of the doctor's areas. Now we have two aircraft servicing there, and in November, we did 33 medivacs 
in the month, bringing people out to the doctors and, and the nurses and the clinics. Fabulous. And along with all of the medivacs, uh, uh, the clean water, the education opportunities, disaster relief when that's happening, uh, the opportunity for people to receive the good news of God's love because you've got missionaries who have access to these villages too, which are bringing uh, all of these wonderful resources that are so helpful in the villages. Absolutely. We uh, Up in Arnhem Land, if I could just use that as an example in the Northern Territory, um, the Gideons have given us Bibles, which we now put in the in the seat pockets of, of the aircraft, and so people are walking away with those. But also in our in our terminal, which we call a terminal, we call it a resourcing area. Um, we now have the Bible in the in the local Aboriginal dialect, which is going out to the communities in those areas. Also on our aircraft, we have not only do we fly missionaries and pastors. So again, in Northern Territory. The pastor that does the circuit, so many of your regional people will know what a circuit pastor does, looks after three or four churches. Up in Arnhem Land, they look after three or four villages or communities, they're called. And those communities can be 200 to 300 people. And so we can fly them in and they can spend four or five days in community and then go to that. We fly them to the next community because every community hop for us is around about 20 to 30 minutes. But for them to drive it, it's four days in the dry season, and in the wet season, it's impossible. Ian, I've got to ask you about 2021 and uh, what's been happening with MAF because COVID has made a huge impact on uh, all sorts of mission activity all around the world. How has COVID affected the work of MAF? COVID has affected the work of MAF by grounding some of our aircraft. So 40% of our fleet was grounded in 2021 across the year, depending on the location and the country. But the other 60%, and when I say that, it's like a country will be open and then closed and open and closed. So it's it really comes down to it. But we've been doing what's called last-mile flights. So we know how we got our COVID situation here in Australia, and we know what's happening with all of the, the vaccine situations. Well, we're doing vaccine last-mile flights. So those countries that are donating vaccines to the countries that we work in, the third world countries, we are flying those on behalf of the doctors and nurses into communities so those people can get vaccinated against this disease. And so we've been doing that. We've also been working on a number of situations with the governments around the world on looking after and, and understanding what the requirements are for those villages. So doing survey flights and, and working with the local communities to know their age groups and demographics so that they could work out if there was a vaccine that could suit that, that village and type of, of community. Okay, and how do things look for the coming year ahead? Because uh, there are things changing all the time and, uh, you know, new variants of the virus and all of those sorts of things. No doubt uh, you're probably not going to be working at full capacity, but having to, you know, let things unfold probably week by week, day by day even. Yeah, and, and that's what we're doing is that we are looking at that. We We believe that the demand by the missionary groups, we work with over 2,000 uh, NGOs and mission groups where the the chatter around the world is that mission groups are starting to mobilize again and we were talking about mobilization so they're looking at how they go back into the communities after being pulled out 
a lot of the people who uh, are now working have been through vaccination and understanding what the the process is. Yes, there's going to be variants, but the the main area of the mission groups and the pastors and the people we work with are starting to say it's time we need to get back into community we need to get back into these villages we need to get back into these locations and can you assist us to get there so we're going to see that that slow growth of people and and missionaries moving back into areas and that, and we're ready we've we've got our crews on the ground we we haven't been pulling people out of it we've just had 40% so those guys who haven't been flying Pairing aircraft have been working with communities in Bible college and Bible schools and and do it. And when I say Bible college, it's it's an area of sitting on your veranda and sharing the Bible with people. This is 2020 with Neil Johnson, helping you make sense of life, culture, and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 on Vision. Well, I hope you might see some insights today in the conversation we're having with the CEO of MAF, Mission Aviation Fellowship in Australia. This is the organisation that mobilises missionary activity to the world. Our special guest is Ian McDougall. Ian, in a conversation like this, uh, let me ask you, because you're talking about those 2,000 or so uh, non-government organisations and mission organisations that are mobilising now or preparing to get back to full speed post-COVID. I wonder whether you can give us some insight here into those mission organisations because people might be thinking, how can I serve in mission? It might be with MAF or it might be with mission organisations in a lot of capacities, but right now there's a huge need. How do you describe things that are happening as we talk about mobilising people in mission around the world? Yeah, well, with with MAF, you know, we, we have many needs for our our people, and we'll we'll talk about that shortly. But the other the other component is that, you know, I, I think of pioneers. So up in Arnhem Land, um, where we have a joint venture with pioneers, and if you've ever heard of pioneers, it's exactly what their name is. They're going out to community and assisting the communities to build churches, assisting the communities, not taking over, but assisting the local people to make a difference through understanding the gospel and understanding the word of Jesus. I think that's a key one. In, in South Sudan and, and in Uganda, we work with uh, borders, uh, Doctors Without Borders and what they do and mobilizing them. And so there's doctors and needs and, and health clinic people. Uh, in, if I could use South Sudan again, in Juba, we're looking for teachers that want to teach international students as well as local students. And so there's, there's roles there for these Christians to go in, not only to use their teaching skills and use it for teaching English and maths and science, but also teaching the gospel while they do it. So mobilising those who have been working in mission and they've suffered the upset that has come with COVID, but what you're saying, what I can hear your heartbeat saying here is that not only are going those missionaries who've been sort of halted in their tracks going to be called back into action, but there's going to be a whole new and bigger need that's going to be necessary there, and there's opportunities galore going in mission organisations around the world, and we'll talk about the opportunities in MAF, but there's there's mission opportunities going everywhere right now. Absolutely. We, we, we know of an agency 
in Papua New Guinea that's looking for teachers. We know of an agency in, in South Sudan that's looking for teachers and we work with them. And if you want to talk to us, we can put you in touch with these people if you've got teaching skills. Uh, the Medair working out of Africa is looking for more nurses. And so they're, they're a Christian organisation looking for nurses who want to get involved in nursing these people back to health. You imagine what COVID's like. And if you've got skilled people who know how to do vaccines, but also know know how to triage and care for people, there's some major roles in there and they're all connected to MAF. And then there's the, the other side of the coin there where we, we work with those NGOs and groups. So in Papua New Guinea, we, we're working with a, a British group that are doing medical flights and we fly the doctors and nurses in. And so we're looking for people that can assist us to do that in the logistics, in the flying, in the planning of those organisational things. But their groups also need assistance to make sure that they've got their equipment safely and, and the logistics of getting all that medical equipment in and out of each community. And that's where people can come and, and volunteer but also be part of a program where they can give their skill sets to get these missionaries to do what they do. Ian, we're talking about these sorts of skills right now, and I know that there'll be some who are saying, oh, yes, uh, doctors and people in the medical profession and nurses and such things, uh, there's school teachers. Yes, I can recognise where they all fit in mission, but what about people in a practical sense, people like mechanics and uh, people who drive trucks or people who do all sorts of other uh, different things that maybe not uh, you know, so highly qualified as doctors, nurses and teachers? What about ordinary uh, people who don't have those particular qualifications, is there room in, in, uh, in mission for others as well? Absolutely. Uh, I, I'm glad you raised that because right now, I mean, if, if you have a heart and understanding of, of, about member care, if you have a heart for program support, right? We, I was talking to a gentleman the other day who is a, a tradesman and he said, I've, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a trade, I've been a carpenter, I've done all these things. And what can I do? Well, we, we have facilities all around the world that need repair, maintenance, and continuation going forward. We need people who know how to change a washer. We know, need people to do that. Mechanics, we've had a number of diesel mechanics come to us and become um, avionics specialists, and they've transferred their skills across. Um, we've, got, we've got air mechanics who have come from diesel and also car mechanics who have moved across because they've already got the, the skills, it's just the engine's slightly different. And, and getting that, that area of becoming a, an air mechanic in those areas, it's just a wonderful thing. But there's also the, the, the practical skills that are there. There's support workers. Like we're looking for in, in Papua New Guinea at the moment a person that can be a support worker or a team that can be a support worker to our families. What does that mean? Well, we, we're talking about isolated communities across Papua New Guinea also in the same in the situation in Arnhem Land with the homelands. So it's someone who comes in and actually does the shopping and cares for and makes sure that food is shipped out to different areas to families in need. And there's, there's basic tasks like that. So every skill, because all humans have skills, it's just a matter of saying, God, I'm making myself available and you'll be able to fit into those skill sets. 
I suspect there's some listening to our conversation today who've never thought of their own skills and their own gifting being used in mission the way you're talking about today, Ian. What about people like, you know, people who are gifted in administration or IT, uh, people who are managers, but they may be managing some sort of uh, supply chain somewhere, but uh, wondering how that could fit in a mission context. Uh, People who are leaders uh, in their own business or ministry, uh, thinking about how they could serve in mission. Uh, What are your thoughts for those sorts of people? Those those people, um, please give me a call. (laughs) (laughs) Give me a call now. (laughs) All right. Mission Aviation Fellowship is a aviation industry. So we are under CASA law, FAA law, depending on what country we're in. We have operations that need to be cared for. We have facilities that need to be cared for. We have people we have who need to be managed. We have the situation of uh, right now we're looking for someone who has the digital skills to pull all of our digital systems together. We we have twenty five over twenty five countries, different languages, different cultures, different understanding, but we all know that IT and digital world is in a point where we need to understand how it works, how it works for each area and how we can get the best for safety, understanding and storytelling. And I think that's really really the key point. And getting to storytelling, to give you an idea, you know, we we're currently looking for regional storytellers. And what does that mean? Someone who's, got a, who's written stories before, journalism background, or has been trained in, in storytelling. And the pilots and the engineers, they come in from their daily shift and they don't have the capacity to sit down and write a story. But imagine if you were able to just sit beside them while they were resting at their cup of tea and they tell you something and then you can turn that into a written story which is published in social media because communications have changed over the years and getting that story out. Quality safety is a huge issue in aviation and management people who understand what quality is, safety is, security is and how we deal with those situations. Um, Engineering managers, people who understand what people do and what engineering is I'm not talking about the person that just spins the spanner at this point because they're important, but it's also that management person that understands people and cares for them, nurtures them. We're looking for chaplains, chaplains who can come and care for. If you imagine Papua New Guinea, we've got over 120 staff working in Papua New Guinea and they all need someone to share with, to care with and to be loved. I'm just astounded, blown away even, because what you're sharing today, Ian, is the opportunity for people who, at this point in their life, may be actually hearing from God, looking for a new direction. And while we're talking about MAF, you're talking even more broadly about the needs in the mission context in all of these mission organizations around the world. But when you identify that you need a person who has digital skills, someone who can do uh, you know, wonders with IT and bring all of your digital systems together because you're working in 25 nations, someone who could do that to pull it all together so that it works uh, in a beautifully uh, well-oiled machine manner, manner, they could actually supercharge the mission of MAF. 
That's the sort of skill that could actually make a huge difference to how mission functions around the whole world. Is MMI exaggerating too much here? Is that the way no. you could see it? No. No, that's the way we see it. If if you could imagine what the next generation are going to be walking into with a with a wonderfully functioning digital world where all the systems are, are synchronised and working, safety is paramount and understanding of what's happening across the world with 125 aircraft and, and that maintenance programs would have scheduling that, that work in each country and we know where an aircraft is at any one time on a digital platform. We know where our staff are and what's happening and, and where our avionics specialists are. Where our and, and like there's a key role, avionics specialist. Every time the aircraft manufacturers make a change, there could be a whole raft of things that need to be done in sequence and that has to be coordinated and organised. And if this digital specialist had that systems working, the ground teams can actually know when things are due and what time it is and the framework that needs to be put together. Uh, Ian, it's been an eye-opener in these early opening segments of our conversation today to recognise that Christian mission globally is not at full speed, that COVID has had a huge effect, and the challenge now is to get back to full speed. Are you dealing with these sorts of, uh, you know, surprises uh, each day when people are saying, oh, really, you're not at full speed, or Christian mission isn't operating the way it used to? What are you, what are you hearing and what are you relaying to people about the reality of what's happening in global mission? Yeah, thank you. Now, it, it, you're, you're so right. One of the questions that we get often is, "What do you mean you're not you're not running at a full capacity?" Um, you know, you're a mission organisation, or the groups that you're working with are mission organisations, aren't they at full capacity? But like everything that we're working in, if if we go step back to our small world of what we are in Australia, things ceased for the past two years. Normal has changed. We're now in a new normal. We, we look at what COVID's doing, we have lockdown, we have shutdown, we have reopen, and that's happening across the world. And to give you a, an example of what it's like in Africa, the same as in Australia, the distance from Uganda to Guinea is the same distance from Perth to Sydney. And yet what happens in Uganda when they shut down, our flight regulations are based in Uganda for Guinea and Liberia. And so all of a sudden, flights stop there, but also mission agencies stop there because they can't get in and out. And so then there's a lag time of two or three or four months where you can't fly, you can't get people in and out, and therefore you've got that situation of difficulty. The other thing that we're dealing with, and this is across all mission groups, this is just not MAF, but if everyone thinks about Australia right now, where we shut our borders internationally. And at that point, our missionaries either had to come home before the shutdowns or they had no way of ever getting back home if they needed to come home. And so what happened was a lot of families and a lot of mission groups had to withdraw their people and now they're starting to ramp back up again because borders are opening and, and, and places are doing. But then you've got to get them there and that that's a costly exercise and you've got to get people retrained and rethinking. And so part of the situation is rethinking mission. 
What does mission mean to me? What is it? It's also mission at home, but also mission overseas. We have to look at the global viewpoint from a local perspective, but also a local viewpoint from a global perspective on how we get people there. And and that's where a lot of groups are now, and, and including MAF. So we're in that redevelopment process where people have come home. So in our situation, the difficulty lies that if a pilot hasn't been flying, if they've come home or they've been grounded, and if it's past six months, they can't actually just get back in their plane as a solo pilot. They've got to go through a, a check and a check and policy program where they get checked back into that area. And that becomes difficulty, so it slows down those situations. And then the other charities and the other NGOs and the mission groups we're working with, they've got to get people back into country, acclimatise to country, be, reg- be, be back in community where community are going to accept them because there is that fear also that we're coming from a first world country or a Western country and we may be bringing in a virus with us. And so there's that fear factor as well. So you've got all of these things to, to build to a point where we're going, God has called us to be doing something. We want to be part of something bigger. And how do we do that? And what do we do? And so we're ramping back up. Everyone's ramping back up to be there. And part of our business is transportation and bringing hope to the remote and getting those NGOs and those mission groups out into the field. We're not talking about speculation as to whether momentum may be lost. You're identifying something with so much more substance. Momentum has been lost in global missions and to re-stimulate that momentum, to get back to full speed, to adjust to the new normal, there's need for innovation and uh, there's need for people to be putting up their hands and saying, yes, I'll train or I'll retrain. There's all sorts of issues around government regulations, uh, international regulations. All these things have to be, as you say, rethought through and a rethinking of mission. I wonder whether uh, you know you can reflect on the conversations you have with big mission organisations, how they might be rethinking some of these things. Any thoughts here, Ian? Yeah, so with the discussions we've been having, some of the rethinking is about uh, how do we train up local people to be missionaries and so what a so so we've gone from where we send a missionary to do some tasks where we may send a missionary to be the trainer and and train up people on what the biblical is so the bible college and the bible schooling it won't be bible college like you and i know it where we go down the road and sit in a college or do it online it's sitting around under a tree with a bible and teaching these people in their in their own cultural way how the gospel is is passed out. And so our role is to do that. So on our aircraft, we now have what's called the electronic Bible box. Now, we talked about a person who has a digital skill set, and we're looking for those sort of people for us because we now have Bible box, which we get from the different agencies, like there's Bible Translators, there's Wycliffe, there's uh, the Bible Society, Bible League, there is a, a Global Voice, and all of these groups that doing translation work, we get their products and put it into an electronic box which sits in our aircraft, and then that gets downloaded to solar boxes, it gets downloaded to mobile phones, it gets downloaded to different sort of technologies, and that has to be appropriate and understood in that culture and country. But then when we deliver that, 
we're looking at those groups like pioneers, like SAM, you know, uh, like World Vision and Compassion even, and Samaritan's Purse, where those teams on the ground are sharing the gospel on a daily basis where we're coming in and departing again. And so that is the key components out of working together to make the gospel happen. Ian, let me ask you uh, what you can share because you're in the middle of the mix with all of these wonderful mission organisations and all of them have taken a hit. A lot of their programs have slowed down. Some have come to a halt. They're looking to re-fire up, reignite uh, these programs in a post-COVID world. And you mentioned organisations like Pioneers or SIM or Samaritan's Purse. There are a lot of big mission organisations and we're talking about thousands upon thousands of missionaries that may have been stopped in their tracks by COVID. I wonder whether these organisations have uh, had the skills, uh, the ability to be able to let their supporters know that they are in need of now a massive injection to get things happening again. Do, are they doing that sort of job? I mean, I'm asking you to, to reflect here what you're thinking is happening in a, in a global mission sense with these big organisations, but are the people who've supported them likely to come to the fore and say, let's get this going and, and really supercharge the opportunity? Yeah, it's, it is starting to, people are starting to see the need again. We are fighting uh, a little, bit of of the or not i guess it is a fight um we're we're fighting that situation where things have changed i talk about the new normal so things have changed in people's mindsets locally because never before have we been in a situation where we've had lockdowns those people have been through wars and famines and but in the in the areas of the western world we haven't had that situation where we've had these continual lockdowns and changes to the way we do things isolation to us was always somewhere else now people are starting to understand what isolation is so there's a there's, again rethinking mission people are starting to go well what does that mean to me personally and how do i do that and so there's got to be a global perspective as well as a local perspective and i i say that with most sincerity locally we have to understand that what we do locally has a global impact on everything we do and so what we're looking at is uh, right across the board, we're all looking for, we work in a world where the, where the money that comes in can be spent wisely and done. So in each of the cases of all of our groups, whichever one you support, we'd love you to support us with finances, but we also love you to support the other groups with finances, but also people power. Be a voice to the wilderness in your local community sharing about the needs to people and regrowing that. And we're all talking about this across the area. But a lot of us have taken a financial hit. And what I mean by financial hit is that we've had to subsidise more than we ever did in keeping, keeping people who are in need covered. And so what we're looking at is that a lot of people have been using their financial reserves. They've been looking at doing, doing things with... Uh, industrial uh, groups that can help. We just shipped uh, a whole bunch of secondhand, very good... Um, sorry, my brain just stopped. Uh, but but the, yeah. the the solar panels. So we sent, we, we sent a whole shipment of solar panels to P&G. Secondhand ones, but excellent condition, which are going to help people reduce their costs of electricity, but give them power. 
Okay, let's bring our attention back to some developments that have happened with MAF uh, of recent times. And uh, you've been working on a new hangar complex in Mareeba in North Queensland. And for uh, listeners in North Queensland, uh, you might be uh, very proud to know that that MAF has a fabulous base there in Mareeba. So you've had this new hangar complex. Give us a, paint a picture for us, Ian. What does it look like? Uh, Well, uh, apart from beautiful... If, if you can call a hangar beautiful. Um, <laughs> you will. <laughs> yep. <laughs> but it, it, is, it has just been blessed. Like, in 2003, we moved, we moved from Ballarat to, to Mareeba, and we, we had been lent a, a hangar up there, which became 18 years. So what a blessing. And then we have to move from there, and this land has became available. And so... Over the past 12 months, we've been building this absolutely magnificent hangar, which will take up to six aircraft side-by-side in the area on the hard stand. And so that's a, that's a magical piece of work. But also it means safety. It means, it means we can work in a place where there is state-of-the-art. And again, talking about digital, but we can check our engines. We'll have all the right equipment. Uh, the tools will be in a safe area. The workers will be in a safe area. We'll be able to maintain sufficiently on all the grounds that we've got. But it also means that we can now build our training capacity. So what we're looking at over the next few years, and again, I'm talking to young and old, because I started apprenticeship, my first apprenticeship was at 14, my second apprenticeship was at 30 years of age. So anyone can change. But we're looking at having an apprenticeship program for engineers. So you can become an aircraft mechanic and do that up in Mareeba. But also we're starting to look at the next area. We've been, we've been blessed with, with 13 acres of land, which we're going to be building over the next few years, a, a training school for pilots and accommodation on there so people can come up, do their training, live on site and actually become a, a bush pilot. Uh, they'll come out with about 250 hours and then they just need to move, work their way up so they can go to field. And we think that's a blessing up there in Mareeba. And being in, being in the far north Queensland, let's face it, you've got perfect weather for flying. Yes. Well, so, it's, a, it's a beautiful part of the world, Mareeba, and uh, that new hangar complex, you've got your official opening on the 10th of January. So we're uh, looking forward to something big with that. Is any special plan for a celebration for that opening? Well, well we're, we're hoping we're, we're trying to convince the uh, the Queensland Governor General to join, uh, and uh, so if you're listening, well, yeah, put put it in your diary, and uh, yep. but, but we're hoping to to do that, and and then we're we're going to have the MAF crew up there, and we're we're looking at, at a time of prayer and circling the hangar and the aircraft, and just and just giving thanks for what God has given us, but also then we we want to celebrate what these guys are doing. Just this year, um, our, it's 2.5 kilometres from the old hangar to the new hangar. And so what we did was we did this little thing called race an MAF aircraft. So we got an MAF aircraft to take off in Mareeba and climb to 2.5 kilometres. And we worked out what the, the ratio and the weight and all those sort of thing was. And then we had all of the engineering crew run down the runway to see if they could beat the time of the aircraft who rose 2.5 kilometres. It was a lot of fun. Uh, and, did they uh, win? <laughs> did they actually, beat the some of, some of the runners actually <laughs> did beat the time. Uh, 
Um, but we, it was funny because we, what we did was we did two aircraft. We did an aircraft which was a current Cessna, and then we did an aircraft which was the oldest Cessna in the fleet. And it doesn't work commercially anymore, but a couple of our engineers have kept it flying. And it's, a, it's an old um, 175 tail dragger. And uh, that doesn't mean a lot to maybe some people, but those who are listening who know aircraft will be going, wow, okay. But what we did was we flew them and the, the tail dragger did it in 17 minutes and the newer aircraft did it in 11 minutes and we had some of our runners come in at 10.5. So, I mean, okay. you know, and we, they, they got a badge on their, their, their uh, Facebook page to say congratulations. Wonderful. So, hey, we've got a talkback line open, 1-800-316-316. Let's take a call. Rory is in Manjimup in WA. Hello, Rory. Welcome. Hey, how you going, Neil? Good, Rory. What are your thoughts? Hey. Well, um, my wife and I are leaving our jobs and uh, early next year planning to hit the road with our caravan and just travel and work and travel and work. As we need to work, we'll work, and as we can explore, we will. But I guess also increasingly on our hearts is to do some mission work as we go around. Um, and the conversation today just opens up another kind of avenue. And I want to ask whether we... Can you just do like short-term like stints, like if you're in a place for eight weeks or if you get called to a place for three months and kind of do a bit of mission work and then travel and move on and say, hey, we'll be in such and such an area or whatever. Can we do some more when we get there? You know what I mean, that kind of thought? Yeah, Ian, yeah. what are your thoughts for Rory? Yeah, so, so, so Rory, it, that, firstly, congratulations on getting out of Manjimup. Um, yeah. <laughs> and and, tra- and travelling around Australia, what a what a beautiful um, picture! And I, I've been to Mandurah; it's a beautiful place in the world. Uh, but secondly, it's yes, there is many mission agencies that you can you can work with on that. I'm thinking of Interserve. I'm thinking of uh, I'm, I'm thinking of Pioneers, even in in some of the areas of doing. Depending on what your skill sets are and what you're willing to to put into it, but also with MAF, like we have we have engineers and mechanics who come and assist us in program. Uh, so up in Arnhem Land, we have people who are doing things and we have guys that come in with skill sets and assist us on specific engineering programs or electrical engineers or maintenance work. So if you're into maintenance or you have a skill set in those areas, um, and then those come into handy. The other thing is there's situations where you may do you know, a, a couple of months somewhere assisting somebody as I said before, we have we have support assistants who come in and maybe just doing the shopping and maybe just looking after kids and 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 giving mums that relief time in an area of of, of of desperation when they're working all the time. You give them a chance to you become that. I call it the nanny. Um, I know it's a male thing not to say that, but it is. You're, you're looking after the kids and having a lot of fun with them. But again, depending on what your skill sets are. What I'd love you to do is contact us in the office and send us an email at maf uh, maf at maf.org.au and uh, we can see how the the fit and maybe with us we may suggest somebody else. Rory, while I've got you on the phone and uh, you know uh-huh. you're saying you're hearing a conversation here and all of a sudden there's a new idea comes and just testing the waters, uh, dipping a toe in the water and saying maybe. We've got some gifts to offer here. Uh, that's something that, you know, this is a new thought for you today. 
Well, I guess we've pastored churches for about 20 years, and, and along the way we've always been encouraged by people travelling and visiting and stuff. And kind of our thought was to, to visit little country towns and encourage people as we, as we travelled. But um, I guess I'm kind of getting greater pictures to kind of get involved in and when the talk about Arnhem Land and pioneer work or whatever. Um, you know, we've both been chaplains and I drive trucks and tractors and work on farms and, and all sorts. So I don't have any mechanical skills, but I'm just wondering whether we can be of use in places where, yeah. Well, Rory, yeah. Uh, just, yep, Ian? Yeah, Rory, I was just going to say, one of the things that we look for is we have a number of of what we call advocates across Australia and who are doing the same as you're doing. They're travelling around Australia and they're telling the story of MAF and, and and other agencies, just like I am right now telling you stories about what we're doing. We have people that do that as a volunteer capacity as they travel and they go into churches and they share not only about God's love, but they also share about what MAF is doing and that generates that generates love and compassion because we understand that if the local community know what's happening out in the world, there may be somebody who's sitting there that walks up to you and says, well, I'm actually a mechanic and I'd be interested in doing something. Or I'm, a, like you said, a chaplain who wants to take it further than just sitting in where I am. It could be that I want to be a chaplain overseas or a chaplain locally in Arnhem Land or you know, up in Mariba even. It's, it's a different situation to be in. And I think that's really important to do. So those sorts of roles are key for local people. Rory, thank you so much for your call and time is running out and Ian McDougall, just wonderful getting these insights. Uh, Some will be thinking, I can hear what you're saying, World Mission needs a kickstart, it needs that momentum back. There's a huge world to win for Christ. There's so many dimensions to serve in. I can't go right now, but maybe I can make a donation. Some might be able to give a small donation. Some might be able to give a large donation. No doubt when we're talking about aviation, we're talking about a large budget that you might be working with each year. And I know there are very generous Australians who've supported for many, many decades now. And you can always use an extra new friend. But on the level of those practical uh, inputs, uh, those gifts that can be used in mission, uh, there's a lot of people who might be thinking, well, how can I be in touch with those other mission organisations? You named a bunch of them through the hour, but let me say, if you want to check in with Ian McDougall, do so through the MAF website, Mission Aviation Fellowship, maf.org.au. Uh, Ian, you, I'm sure you won't mind hearing from people and they might be more suitable to be serving with other mission organisations, but uh, you, you, can, you, can, you can be the, uh, the, the go-to person today. Is that okay with you? We are happy to do that. Part of our, our, our mandate is to fulfil the needs. And uh, for listeners, if you've only just joined our conversation, uh, just, uh, just before the news uh, over half an hour ago, uh, just the needs that there are in a mission context that has slowed down global missions in all mission contexts and the need to get the momentum back, uh, to get that momentum, to get the, you might even say here, to get mission work flying again. And today we're talking with Ian McDougall. MAF is that mobiliser of mission that works with all of these mission organisations that helps mission happen in the most isolated places on the face of the earth. Here's that website to write down to make your contact today, M 
afforg.org.au. Ian McDougall, thanks so much for sharing your heart with us today on 2020. Thank you, Neil, and to all your listeners, have a great Christmas. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.